In the previous mission, we talked about an ISCA, a joint venture in which one person was providing livestock, other person was doing the work, and we said that you're not allowed to ain shaman, you're not, you can't do a shuma, you can't appraise the value of the livestock, um, which means that's a code word for saying that the um, person who's doing the work, the misasek, is going to have to be liable to repay for any losses, should there be some, unless he's also compensated for his labor. You have to pay for the food to feed the animals as well as the the some like uh, basic wages to the guy who's doing the work, for reasons we explained before. Our mission here is going to say that although that's true when it comes to um, young livestock, like the Agulan and Siachem we had in the previous Mishnah, here uh, we're going to say you can do it for mature livestock. It says, Shaman Parava Chamor. If someone is you know starting a farm and then another the guy provides him with the livestock and he gives him you know, a bunch of cows and donkeys, etc., um, yes. The person providing the cows and donkeys could say, listen, the cows are worth so much, a hundred. You could raise a farm. When you sell the cows and donkeys, if you get a thousand for it, we'll split the profit 900. Then we get a profit. You can divide it. You get 450. I get 450. But if it gets lost, you owe me back a hundred. That you could do. And there's no problem that we had in the previous Mishnah about him working, instead of the person Iska, but him working the provider of the capitals half um, for free because the cow or the donkey can do work or can provide milk and so on. And if it can do plowing or carrying or whatevering um, to earn its keep and the value that the animal provides is more than the cost of keeping it alive, so then the person running the farm is getting a benefit. He's actually making, so to speak, some net um, gain on having this this mature animal. And that being the case, that is his compensation, right? He's winning. So it doesn't have to, he's getting the benefit of the cow doing the work or providing the milk and so on. Therefore, there's no need for the person providing the cow to provide him additional compensation. That's what a Mishnah starts out by saying. It says, Shaman parvachamor, you are yes allowed to provide livestock that's fully grown, like a cow or a donkey, to someone who with you're doing iska. He's got running the farm, you're just providing the capital. And that's true for any um capital you provide in which it not only costs money to keep it alive, that's called ochel, consume, like to feed its, you know, give it food, but also Osa, it also produces. In this case, it produces acting as a, you know, it can plow fields and that kind of thing, or you can rent it out, who knows what. And that being the case, since it's Osa v'ochel, and the amount that it a value provides is more than the cost, it's permitted, lamechta, for example, to divide, to divide the profits um, 50-50 without the person providing the capital having to pay for food or wages. Now, next up. If we're setting up a farm where I'm giving you the livestock and you're um, splitting the profit to me 50-50, so what happens when there's a nice little batch of new baby animals born? So half of them belong to you and half of them belong to me. So now you're going to want to get those half that belong to me out of your hair and to me as soon as possible. Why? Because the half that belong to me, you're going to have to do work to keep them alive and feed them, clean up after them, who knows what them, and all that's really going to me because it's my half. So you want to get rid of it as the farmer as soon as possible. So the Mishnah says, well, you have to do whatever is customary. In other words, if we didn't make a deal ahead of time, whether you're responsible to raise the babies that are born in the farm that are going to me, my half, to raise them fully or not, if we didn't specify, so everything goes after what's customary in that time and place. And therefore the Mishnah says, Makum shenagu lechalok es havlados miyad cholken. If it's a place where the custom is um, that the farmer who's doing a 50-50 split with the guys providing the livestock, um, gives the 
young creatures, those the Vladot, the young creatures, um, immediately, so he can do it immediately. Um, immediately, says the Gemara, is after 30 days for sheep and goats, and after 50 days for horses and cows and donkeys, etc., because they take a little more time until then, when they're before that age, they're dependent upon the mother. They're, you can't you can't just give it to the, 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 the animal won't live if you give it now to the owner. So you at least have to get it to be uh, independent like that. But, says the Mishnah further, if the custom in that time and place is that the farmer in this Iska relationship should also ensure that the half of the animals that are going to the investor, the farmer should raise them full. So then, he has to raise them in full. Now, what about, says the Mishnah, the previous Mishnah had said, if you give little animals, immature animals, then you have to pay for the food and labor. If you give mature animals, our mission says you don't have to give the food and labor. So what happens if you give one of each? You give both a mature animal and a baby animal together, like a mommy and a baby cow. So um, of, our mission is sort of, if you read it so far, the Tanakama said and holds that you'd have to, you don't have to pay for the labor and food for the big animal, but you would for the baby animal. Can you kind of combine them together? Listen, after all, the baby cow is going to nurse from the mommy cow, so it's not much um, expense. There's no expense in terms of of of, uh, of uh, food, but there is still um, other work that needs to be done. What the Gemara refers to as um, carrying the baby on the shoulders of the of the farmer. Okay, schar katef. So there's some some labor that has to be done. So can you kind of combine those two things and get away with not having to pay for that or not? So Rabban Shimon Gamliel Omer Shaman Egel Im Imo. Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel says, if you're giving a mommy and a baby together, you could do a shuma, you can appraise it, meaning both of them, and not have to worry about paying for labor or food. So in other words, you can get away with it. And you can be, that's okay. But um, the Tanakhama says, no, you can't. The machlokas here, which isn't explicit in the mission at all, is as follows. There's no food cost for the baby because the baby's nursing from the mother and you're providing the mother. So the investor really is having um, some little bit of work done that, that, you know, carrying on his shoulders, we'll call it, of the baby until it gets big enough. And that he's doing essentially for free. Is that allowed? So you can't do it for free. So why would Rabbi Shemuel say it is allowed? Because he says, listen, the baby animal is still going to produce some fertilizer. And who's going to get the fertilizer? 100% goes to the farmer. None of that goes to the investor. So it's the value he gets in the fertilizer will offset the work he has to do to carry the baby on his shoulders from time to time. That's a shita, so he's getting paid for it, even from the small animal, therefore it's permitted. But the Tanakama and the Halacha says no. The, you can't say that the farmer is getting the benefit of the manure because the investor himself would be mafkat. He wouldn't, he wouldn't demand to get his half of the animal droppings. He would just abandon it. So therefore, it's not his to give. Therefore, it's not considered to be him paying the farmer. Therefore, he has to give something else instead. And that's the din la'alacha. If you give a mother and baby, you have to at least pay the farmer. In an isker arrangement, like we described before, the investor has to pay at least for the labor that's done um, on behalf of the immature animal, but not for the mazonos, because the mother that he's providing will provide for that. Okay. One more part of the Mishnah. It's like a whole new Mishnah, if you will. Okay. The following is like, there's a new thought. Like this. If I have a field that I own, and I have someone who I let work the field, and that was very common, like, you know, it's like, like called a feudal system, you have someone like the lords 
whoever they are that own the land, and then like the peasants or the workers own work on the land. Something similar was happening in the time of the mission as well. Some people, rich people, own lands, and poor people lived on that land and worked the land. There are a few different kinds of relationships you can have between the landowner and the land workers. The workers could pay rent, being a socher. He could be a sharecropper, called an aris, or he could be a tenant farmer, a choker. Now, we're going to talk about chakirus, tenant farmer. The way that works is the person who's doing the work, he says, listen, give me a field to live on and to work, and I'll pay you rent every year in a fixed amount, let's say, of, you know, 10 bushels of wheat. So, in other words, I'll work the field best I can, uh, and uh, if there's whatever produce I get beyond 10 bushels, I can keep. So that's called the tenant farmer, a choker, chakirus. So, the question is, what if the tenant farmer goes to the owner and says, listen, you know, this field will be much more productive if we install the sprinkler system. Why don't you give me a thousand bucks? I'll put in the sprinkler system and then we'll have a lot more output. So can I please get a thousand bucks? And I promise to pay back a thousand bucks in three years. So now that sounds like a loan. And then um, if he's gonna, the landowner gives a thousand bucks, giving back the principal in three years, that's a loan. So what would happen if you raise the rent also? Because he says, listen, I made you a greater field. The field now is producing a lot more than before. I don't want to get 10. I want to get 15 bushels of wheat a year as rent. So is that raising the rent considered to be ribis and forbidden because he gave a loan, he's getting back the principal plus an extra you know, five bushels a year? Or is it no, not considered ribis, it's just he's investing in his own field? We're saying it like as a loan, but the bottom line is the owner is installing a sprinkler system. He's putting in a thousand bucks and he's making a deal with the tenant, which is, listen, I'll make your field more productive. You're going to be the beneficiary of that because you're going to get more produce. But I want a a thousand bucks back, and B, I want to raise the rents, you know, to from ten to fifteen bushels, and it's not interest at all. It's just me investing in my field, and I'm charging you more rent because you have a better field. So, the Mishnah takes the latter opinion, meaning it's permitted to do so. This, according to our Mishnah, is just stam. We don't do no attribution. According to the Yerushalmi and also Tosefta, this is Rabban Shimon Gamil talking again. So Rabban Shimon Gamil is saying you're allowed to umafriz al sadehu. You can. I'll translate that as invest in your field as the owner with a tenant farmer, and you can demand to get back the principal what you invest from the tenant farmer, and still, because it's not a loan being paid back, it's simply an investment in his own field and asking for a rent that includes back some the amount he laid out, plus some additional uh, rent for a better field as well. And that would be the halacha. Um, like this, whether it's Rabbi Shimon or not, the point is there's no one arguing with it, so that is the din, like like the mission says over here.